to the Howling Hour podcast. I'm your host, Chris Staten. You can find me on Twitter at Pilgrim Yelling, and you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Howling Hour underscore. Join with me today for the first time, Jake Rogers. Hello. What's... <laughs> how how you doing on this lovely Saturday morning? I'm doing good. Doing good. I mean, I can't get some of this time back from this movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jake had, uh, you know, longtime friend, and had asked me if uh, to do an episode, but didn't want to do something... Um, you know, overtly terrifying or gory, uh, and so I gave him. I'm gonna look up and see what which of the options I I had initially given you. Um, we did. Du, 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 du. Oh yeah, okay. So the options were, Zombievers, Return of the Living Dead, Howling Two, Your Sister's a Werewolf, Chud or Chud Two. But he elected to go. With the 1990 American black comedy, Frankenhooker. I, I think directed. when you made that list, I requested, send me ones so bad that they're good, in a way. Yes, yes. Uh, Frankenhooker, directed by Frank Hennen Lauder, uh, and starring James Lawrence, uh, Patty Mullen, and Louise Lasser. Um, this is... Uh, I mean, I... If you listen to this podcast, you probably are aware of Frankenhooker already. This is my favorite of um, of Frank Henenlotter's movies. Um, granted, I think I've only I've seen Basket Case and Brain Damage. I may have seen Basket Case Two um, as well, which was actually filmed at the same basically at the same time um, as Frankenhooker. But I. Um, yeah, there's something about Frankenhooker. I literally have. I went to a horror con like a year ago, and like outside, I bought a couple movies. But like outside of that, the only other thing I bought was a a nice Frankenhooker like enamel pin, <laughs> and I have in my in my little office space here. Uh, I have like some posters on the wall, and one of them is Frankenhooker. Um, so big fan of this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you have fit you the have bill, a, fit the bill of yeah. not too scary, and really, I would say they're. Not even there was only one moment I even found like a little disturbing, but that was about it. I mean, I definitely like if you have surrounded by people who can't do horror, then this should be perfectly fine for them. I had no problem with it. Yeah, Frank like Henry Lauder himself like doesn't even really consider this to be like all like a horror film. Like it's it's yeah. not really supposed to be. It's like it's it's borrowing of from like horror elements, but it's all it's all played for laughs. Yeah, about um, about everything, even like the facial expressions every actor does seem to be just played for yeah. laughs. Yeah. So you uh, initial uh, initial take not not a great movie. Well, I, so I think saying I wasted my time is an extreme. I think you know I I can see uh, I. I'll, I'll quote it at this, you know, it's very quotable in the sense of, like, you kind of, uh, that, the Goblins movie of, it's like, uh, you keep saying the word Neil Bogger, but on this one, it's like, uh, I keep saying Super Crack. Super Crack. It's killing them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just speeding it up. I'm just speeding the process up. <laughs> but it's very... Yeah, I, I'm not technically the one that's killing them. They're doing it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Jersey Boy. It's the one probably I keep thinking in my head. 
Two. Okay, girls, listen up. This here's Jersey Boy, and he wants to play doctor. <laughs> doctor Jersey Boy. I'll put you all back together, I swear. I gotta do Elizabeth first. Yeah. And, you know, like, all those little, they're little quotable bits of it. And I guess that's the best you can hope for, for this type of, what the angle they oh, were yeah. going for, you know? Yeah, there is, um... It is kind of odd, because it takes, it takes like, uh, as far as the plot goes, it takes, like, a full fucking hour out of the 85-minute runtime. It takes, like, just about an hour to get to the creation of the Frankenhooker. Yep. And then there's only this, this like, a half hour left of the, of the movie left after that. Oh. And it kind of, it, it, it moves, it moves very quickly. Um, there's some hidden depths to this movie. I mean... Pretzels are very important to the central theming of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so funny because so Patty so Patty Mullen is the is the the girlfriend turned Frankenhooker, and um, she was a play she was a, a penthouse pet for Playboy. Yeah. Um, the character name is Elizabeth, and, I believe. Yeah, the character name is Elizabeth uh, Shelley. Oh, really? Obviously so named for Mary, Mary Shelley. Shelley. Yeah. yeah, just like. Um, Jeffrey's last name is Franken. Yeah, I didn't know about his last name being yeah. Franken. <laughs> um, but she, uh, before before she's torn up by the lawnmower, she's wearing like this. She's basically wearing padding under her clothes yeah, to make her look, look fat. And the pa- the padding doesn't even make her look fat. <laughs> no, it does not. It and just everyone looks like says like, "Wow, clothing. look at her. She's a porker." Like, don't eat pretzels. Those are gonna make you balloon up even more. Yeah, or uh, uh, when the newscaster is talking about her, trying to make us believe that. Oh my just, fucking the god! Newscast is like a like this gre- gregarious girl got chewed up by the lawnmower and sprayed her personality all over the backyard. I'm yeah, like, that's, that's a, that um, was a burn. Someone had to. It was that. a fucking that that straight up was a, like a fucking a tirade full of uh, like fat jokes. Yep. Um, the, the, but, I had lived for the. Whenever they turned on the news, there were a couple of scenes where they turned on the news, and every time it did not disappoint. Yeah, every minute of this of this movie is uh, prime. It's like it's it's made it's made for it's made for comedy. They don't, you know. Yeah, they never play it straight. Yeah, they don't they don't play it straight at all, yeah. which is good. Yes. Um, and then you got the main like, character being the med- medical school dropout because he was too bored uh, from the three different yeah. medical schools he went to, and yet his girlfriend who. I assume has a potato brain. It's like, oh yeah, I had him staple me up because I am so heavy. Yeah, she stapled. She, he stapled my stomach, and her friends just like you let him perform surgery on you, and she's just like, <laughs> well, I'm gonna well, yeah, marry. We're him. gonna be, be we're gonna be married, <laughs> and being married means they can do whatever. <laughs> like I can't. Yeah, and he's just the doing. Ethics get in the way. And he's doing like his little experiments in. Um, yeah, they never exp- in the house in the middle of the party. Yeah, it kicks off, and he's like playing with electricity on this giant brain in a jar with an eye on it, and they never elaborate what he's trying to accomplish. He's like snapping his fingers in front of the eye, and yeah. he's like, "All right, look at me, look at me," and watching on a screen what it looks like, and that's about it. That's all. Yeah, oh, and the then context. at one point he has it in the he has it in like the fish tank. In his room, and his mother, his mother's just like, "Oh, look at you, look at you, so big. What is it?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she asks him like, "What is it?" And he's like, "I don't know." And it's just like, "What are we doing here then? What's going yeah. on?" I'm like, "All right, they're gonna explain what it is." But the, it just killed me because the mom's like, "Look, like almost like I am intimately familiar with the state of this experiment." 
And then, what is it? And the guy's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Not sure what I'm doing. Um, before we go much deeper, I'm going to run through the uh, wild plot of this movie. Uh, Buckle up. Yeah. So, Jeffrey Franken, a young man who lives in New Jersey, is a worker at a power plant and a scientist who specializes in bioelectricity. He's about to get married to his fiancée, Elizabeth. At the birthday party of Elizabeth's father, Jeffrey presents him with an automatic lawnmower as a gift, but when Elizabeth tries to demonstrate it, she's caught in its path and gruesomely killed. Jeffrey, in his grief, begins plotting to use his knowledge of circuits to rebuild Elizabeth and bring her back to life. His grief drives him to have, uh, to have mock dinner dates with the few pieces of Elizabeth he could salvage, as well as giving himself tri uh, trip ends with the power drill to, keep, to help calm him down. He decides to make the perfect new body for Elizabeth by harvesting the body of a New York City prostitute. After meeting several girls and their abusive pimp Zorro, a muscle-bound temperamental crack, de crack dealer, Jeffrey tricks Zorro into letting him rent every one of the girls for a single night to find the one with the perfect body for Elizabeth. Inspired by a news report about crack cocaine causing the deaths of many New York prostitutes, he then develops a super crack which he finds causes living beings to explode. Deciding he's doing nothing wrong, as crack will probably kill the prostitutes anyway, Jeffrey lures them all into a hotel room under the guise of a medical examination and marks the girls with the body parts he wants for Elizabeth. However, as he begins to have second thoughts, the prostitutes all find the bag of super crack and all smoke it, despite Jeffrey's pleas, causing them all to explode into pieces. Zorro hears the commotion and rushes to the room only to be knocked out by one of the flying heads of his girls. Jeffrey hurriedly puts the body parts into trash bags, promising to restore the girls once he brings Elizabeth back. After picking the perfect body parts and sewing them and Elizabeth's head together into a single body, Jeffrey uses the lightning from a nearby storm to shock Elizabeth's new body to life again. However, her body and face move awkwardly, and she can only repeat what the previous girls said before they died. The Frankenhooker escapes the basement and begins looking for customers, who end up exploding from electricity when they try getting intimate with her. Jeffrey goes looking for Elizabeth and finds her at a bar. Unfortunately, Zorro is there too, and upon hearing her mention his name and recognizing her body parts, he angrily strikes her so hard that her head mostly detaches from her body. Jeffrey evades Zorro and takes Elizabeth home to repair her neck and revive her again. After bolting her head more securely to her new body, Jeffrey wakes Elizabeth up, finding her memory restored. At first, Elizabeth is impressed that Jeffrey brought her back, but becomes furious when she realizes what her body is now made of and how Jeffrey obtained the parts. Jeffrey tries to explain himself, but he is attacked and decapitated by Zorro, who's followed him home. Zorro then attempts to drag Elizabeth away with him, justifying himself by claiming that most, uh, that most of her new body belongs to him. However, the spare hooker parts have also been reanimated by the storm and merged into multiple grotesque limbed monsters, which overwhelm Zorro and drag him away into their storage cooler to his presumable death, along with his drugs. Elizabeth decides to revive Jeffrey via the same procedure he used on her, but since the process only works on female bodies, Elizabeth is forced to put Jeffrey's head on a body made of hooker parts to bring him back. As Jeffrey awakens, Elizabeth happily says they'll be together forever as Jeffrey moans in horror at his new female body. The end. Hmm. Um, 
I do I do like that like Jeffrey is he has all these women lined up and like all he had to do is like pick one like he didn't like it's like it's so funny because one of the, the yeah the head the head hooker there I forget her name um, um, uh, is it Goldie yeah I think it was Goldie uh, Paul no no Goldie is is someone else uh, Mary Jane Mary Jane yeah maybe Mary Jane. Uh, we got a long list of hooker names: <laughs> yeah. Angel, Amber, yeah. Crystal, Chartreuse, Mary Jane. Um, yeah, this is like all I do is pick one, and like he, there's no, there's like no reason for him to get picky and want like certain parts from different from different women. All he had to do was pick one. They were all fine. They were all they were all perfectly fine. Yep, they were all perfectly. Well, fine. Well, I mean, though. he was really just you know making lemonade out of the lemons of dead hooker parts everywhere so we picked the best of each but he, he was yeah. he was so torn up and delayed it to, so they could find his super crack and kill themselves yeah well it's it's we it's funny because like he one he so he doesn't he doesn't even give them the super crack uh but also the super crack itself he knows it makes things blow up yeah so well, he was he it hoping to a that they would hamster and it blew up yeah something like that it's like he gives them the super crack, knowing well he brings the super crack along, you know, knowing that they're gonna ingest it and explode. Did he really think that they would just explode and have these perfect? You'd have perfect body parts after this organism ex- fucking exploded, <laughs> right? I'm oh, very well, lucky. And when very he's, lucky, d- sir. he's being like, <laughs> when he's like, can't decide. He's like, all right, I like this one. So he's like, I like the right ass cheek on this one. I puts a check mark and shot yeah, sharpie on check it. Check mark. Yeah. <laughs> It like various things like that. He gets a magnifying glass and puts it over like the one girl's boob, and he's just like, "Awesome, yeah, utterly awesome." Yeah, um, and he's like he, got like a set of calipers for measured like that. Yeah, he has this. Um, he's because it's it's or it's, it's it's definitely bordering, probably into the territory of perversion. Um, and oh yeah, they're all completely nude. The yeah, time. but there's also there's also this this level of like naive. This is obviously a big level of like naivete from from Jeffrey. Uh, it almost it, he almost seems like almost innocent. Yeah, well, I mean, you know? well, he's just like, oh for, man, he's paying for like six hookers with his Christmas club money. Yeah, I don't know how much fucking money that that dude had to be shelling out. It is, how much money does he have in his Christmas club? They yeah. <laughs> mm. so could just go to New York, six prostitutes for. How yeah, I, uh, I would, he like he literally said like pulled out like a wad of cash and I'm like you literally you work at a PowerPoint so maybe maybe you're making good money there but like I don't know man oh and he spends the whole time wearing his power plant jumpsuit just in case you forget yep. he works at a power plant yep 100 percent I think that was probably in part um, due to this is the this movie was shot over the course of like a, a very long time I think. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember how it was. Like over the course of a, it was quite a while. Uh, but so I think I think cause I think they would shoot. No, I'm thinking I'm thinking of Basket Case because, but I think it was kind of a similar similar thing here where, um, you know, in order to keep thing continuity going well, yeah. there's not a whole there's not a whole lot of like changes to wardrobe. Um, it's just, you're wearing, you're wearing the same thing all the time, so that way all the shots are, you know... I figure it had to have a low budget, like, if you figure how many set pieces really were there, you have the alleyway, 
the bar with the bathroom, the mm-hmm. hotel room, the garage, mm-hmm. and kind of outside the house slash in the house. It's like five. Oh, and the birthday party at the beginning. So there are six locations you see the entire movie just on loop. So yeah, and I mean, the movie, so this was, this was uh, Head and Lauder's like biggest budget movie up to this point for his career. He had, he had a million, he had a one and a half million dollars to make this. But so much of the money went into the exploding hooker scene. I was say, I thought the box office was only like two hundred. Yeah, this didn't. So this did not make a whole lot of money. I was, I was gonna um, say, no, maybe at least if it had a low budget, it probably broke even. But that's a big budget. Yeah, Frank was so. This Frank took this to the you know obviously you take it to the MPAA board for for a rating. Um, and this is so this is an anecdote that um, came from uh, the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs when he was talking about this movie, um, but like so he, he gets so they, they they review it and they talk to him and they're like this is you know basically this is the first movie that's going to get an S and uh, what hold on I actually have I have the um, the story here somewhere. Um, Okay, yeah, so congratulations, you were the first film rated S for shit. Um, and that was the head of the board telling that to him. Um, so the producer, the producer fought back, so the producer was um, uh, Glickenhaus uh, from the Shapiro Glickenhaus um, production company. And so the MPEA ultimately ended up giving it an X rating, um, but yeah. But then Hen and Water was just like, it's either going to get an R or, you know, we'll just... He ended up just releasing it unrated. And unrated films just generally don't get um, as much uh, attention yeah. as, as, as rated films. Um, and that's, that's a problem that's been ongoing till today. Um, I think... Do you think it's just because it feels like it, there's some legitimacy when it's rated? Yeah, I think I think so, and also like, I don't know, I, I really don't know. It's definitely, it's definitely. I think people initially think it's like a it's a quality issue, um, but I think the the Marilyn Monroe um, Netflix thing with Anna Darmus was unrated this year, and also that that was released on Netflix, so it was people people are gonna watch it. It doesn't matter if it was unrated. Yeah. Um, but then Terrifier 2, which uh, came out uh, a couple months ago and has been making big waves, because um, that was also basically on a micro budget um, and was over the top in, in violence and gore and everything. And that was also unrated. And um, the company just released it, you know, unrated to some, to some select theaters like Alamo Draft House and stuff like that. And it had a, it had a really good like return on investment like probably um, I th- I have no idea how much money it was it was on only like on like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget or something but it's made like over ten million dollars at this point wow. I think but it's just like it's it's so hard to pull to like to do that to execute that because yeah. also also if something's unrated it's hard to get it released in theaters. Um, in certain theaters, because then you're you're left you're left to show it in maybe less less than um, favorable locales, yeah. which 
which them, the, these locations themselves are not getting high foot traffic. So you were saying, too, that he blew a lot of the budget on the pyrotechnic scenes? Like, I wonder yes. how much, because other than that, you know, it doesn't look like they spend a lot of money no. anywhere. So it no. had to been a, a severe amount of that over a million was just on yeah. some explosions for fake body yeah. parts to get launched around a hotel room. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, IMDb, uh, IMDb page uh, for you right now. It says the producers told him that they had used up all of the allotted funds for pyrotechnics during the exploding cookers uh, scene, to which he replied, how the fuck am I going to film the lab scene? He ended up calling in a favor to do some unlicensed pyrotechnics for the shoot. Uh, and so the guy that plays Jeffrey, he said he recalls the guy uh, who set that up, <laughs> told him, don't worry, it's maybe safe. <laughs> that lab scene... Uh, uh, had to have been the part where I laughed the most watching it. When they go to lift her up on the gantry up toward to get shocked by the lightning and mm. uh, they did some like low budget CGI or whatever for the back then editing and they kept lifting her and lifting her and all of a sudden you have this like 8 inch in diameter pole coming out of this guy's garage roof that's gotta be like they, they showed it as like the height of a skyscraper. This like yep. thin pole, and that she's on top of it on just a little platform, and just keeps extending it and extending. I'm like, Jesus, this guy's got like a massive like cavern under his garage, I guess, for this giant pole to come out of nowhere and keep going. <laughs> um, like you think they're gonna, oh, gonna yeah, lift so her up of... just above the garage roof, and then they keep yeah, lifting right, her would... and lifting her and lifting her, and pretty. I laughed a lot when I saw that one. I'm like, oh my god. I can't so one of one of the IMD one of the IMDb page like trivia things says that this film took twelve years to make so Whoa. maybe maybe that's true I don't know about that though yeah that's all it it may have it may have from from inception to final creation yeah but you gotta wonder if that was like nine years. years inception <laughs> yeah then three years um, of execution yeah but um. Yeah, so also, so the guy who plays Zorro, Zorro the Pimp, who I love, he is also he really in funny. Basket... He's wicked funny. Zorro's my favorite... Probably my favorite character of the of the movie. Jacked. Um, he's just he's just absolutely ripped. And, like, we, we meet him, and he's just, like, standing arms crossed in, he, like, the bathroom. He looks where people like are a, just... <laughs> a ripped version of the dad from Spy Kids. Uh, Antonio Banderas? Yeah. Right. At least in that, you know, with the slicked back hair, the mustache. Uh, yeah. Throw that guy in a tank top and give him, like, a decade of steroids and you get Zorro. Yeah. Well, hey, and didn't Antonio Banderas actually play Zorro? I'm not and, too good on the on most act, like tracking of actors and films. So that'd be definitely you. Uh, the Mask of Zorro was Antonio Banderas. <laughs> so, oh, that's yeah. even funnier then. Both played a Zorro yeah. character. Um, Let's see who gets yes. the One Piece role for the live action remake between the two. <laughs> there is uh, so this is so the guy who played Zorro in Frankenhooker. He was the uh, Joseph Gonzalez is his name. Um, he only has two film roles, and it's this movie, and it's one of Penn and Lauder's other films, Basket Case, where he also basically plays the exact same character. <laughs> okay. um, he's just he's just this ripped, intimidating dude. In, like, really tight jeans. Yeah. Like, when he, like, goes uh, up that in the dilapidated, like, hotel where he is with the prostitutes, he takes the stairs so funny because they're, like, these 
Like, oh, it's, it's so a narrow stake staircase, and I guess each step was, like, half the height of a normal step to make it look bigger. But he makes sure mm-hmm. he steps on each step rather than, you know, racing up the steps. So he goes, like, bup, 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 bup. <laughs> Like, basically <laughs> starts pumping his legs up these stairs to make it look like it's a full-size staircase. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't... When he, so when he gets up to uh, Jeffrey's room, I'm surprised he wasn't able to just, like, kick that shit down in, like, one hit. Yeah. Yeah, they have him bounce off the door, like, twice or something. Because, like, what Henlotter does, like, he really, like, shows... Like, New York City was, you know, as much as, you know, today we know New York City has some really shady areas and, like, very poor areas. This was shadier and poorer. This was... It used to be worse. It used to be so much worse. Yeah. Um, like, so we see... So we're, we're seeing, like, um, was it? Four, like, 42nd Street is um, where this all this stuff goes down. And it's just dirty and grimy, and you th- you think the qu- the quality of some of the the woodwork in these buildings would be not would not be up to par. Um, and actually, so actually speaking of that, so when Jeffrey's first coming through um, the street with the prostitutes on it, um, some of those shots were actually taking place inside of the inside of a van. And they were just they were just recording really an actual street that just had prostitutes on it, um, yeah. Uh, Henenlotter himself. So he so to get to get the the prostitutes for you know for the movie the act the the ones that ended up acting in it. Um, this is because this was also his first movie where he he was using SAG actors, um, but a lot of the SAG actors that he was getting they were not down to do nudity. Um, and so he ended up just going to a topless bar and was asking around and got those girls to sign on. Um, and, the, and, and inadvertently, because of this, they became SAG actors. Really? Um, because, yeah, when, when, you're do, when, you're doing, when you're doing a movie um, and you're using SAG, SAG actors, I think, every, I think all the actors have to be. Okay. So he just like, got these girls and then they had to go through like, the, pap- the paperwork process to get that shit done. But... Um, yeah, so like he ends up, so instead of even going with actors, he ended up just getting like actual women. Yeah. Um, who's this was this was their profession. Um, what was funny about this movie is, uh, you know, when we p- picked it, and I was like, all right, Frankenhooker play off of Frankenstein. I'm like, I'll uh, I'm like I'll try to refresh my memory on Frankenstein, like a quick read through, to try to because I've read it once upon a time. I'm yeah, like, maybe I'll, I'll, like, see if I can see any, like, themes and I'll look like a, a smart prick. Uh, and, nope, there's, like, <laughs> next to none of the themes that make Frankenstein, like, the classic it is. Like, there's no, like, meta-commentary in this movie. And I almost thought, like, I'm like, it's a shame because they really could have done either something, like, almost like a Rent-style commentary on the state. And, you know what I mean? Like, they could have, like, worked something in. But they they play so try to play it for so many laughs that I feel like... I don't know. They they missed the missed a couple points that they could have easily done because the premise isn't the worst idea ever. Yeah. The so I mean there is there is a little bit of like bad, social commentary um, in Henan Lauder's films, but like you have you have to dig for it, um, and I think it becomes obvious in this movie when they do the uh, when Jeffrey's watching TV one time and he sees. Um, that the woman on that talk show talking about prost- prostitutes dying yeah. from, from and what crack. Was, she had like this, uh, but 
even then that was played for laugh. Like they had the acronym oh, yeah. being like the ho- hooker, hooker, the acronym for her. Hold on to our knowledge and something or other. Keep I think um, what the acronym stands for. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, like so that that was the scene that made me think like, man, they could have done a little bit. Like, they could have, like, done a through line on maybe, like, the state of New York City or something. Like, that's what... The first thing I thought of when I saw that was, like, oh, kind of like Rent, you know, where Rent's talking about the state of the epidemic. And so, you know, like, I feel like if they tried to do that, maybe it wouldn't have tanked as bad. But they spent a lot of time showing topless girls and uh, watching uh, James Lorenz make uh, disturbing facial expressions. Yeah, well, um, I'm you know, honestly, I don't know. I love I love this movie, so I don't <laughs> I don't. No, I, I think, la- I think I it gave up. I, I think it gave up I think this would be my first thing to tell someone if they want to watch like a funny horror comedy. Like that's really not. There's, there's no. The only part you know that had any form of what I'd call horror, which is like kind of gives you a disturbing feeling would be when he drills into his own skull as, like, self-medicating his craziness. Yeah. That's about you know, the that's only like, point a, I get that feeling. You know, that's, like, an actual, that's like an actual thing yeah, that, what's it called? Um, what's the posi- that people uh, do. Procedure. Um, trepans or something? Yeah, trepan. Uh, I don't know what, what it's actually called. Um, uh, or how it's pronounced. Uh, tre- yeah, trepan, trepanation. Um, it is... Something that people people do and like it like relieves like headaches and yeah. shit like that I think, um, but it's something that's like gone on for a very very long yeah. time like evidence in in human history. Yeah, it kind of gives him that Kevorkian um, doctor feel when he does it. Yeah, himself. and it's it's funny because like he because he also does to help him think and so he's yeah. drilling in to come up with ideas to come up with ideas. Um, it's, it's so wacky. Cause he's like moaning uh, as he does it. He's like, oh yeah, that's, that's the shit. Yeah. It's like, it, oh, it's definitely, it definitely pushes, it's definitely pushing the barrier, barrier. But I think, I think it's effective because for a lot of times, Jeffrey is the only character on screen. He's talking to himself. He's working mm-hmm. things out. I, um, I thought the actor James Lorenz is Jeffrey. He like, I like, man, they really like, the one thing I thought he did really good was the crazy, like acting that kind of crazy, talking to himself and like watching his eyes dart around. Like he had very good facial control. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny too. Cause like, if you listen, there's a lot of times where he's like, he's like grumbling and mumbling to himself, but he's always, he's always saying something. Like um, he did the drawing scene and he was mumbling as he did it. Like the drawing yeah. on the body with the the schematic at the wiring circuit diagram on top of a picture yeah. of the human, uh, like, kind of muscular system. Like, yeah. It, his mumbling was really good acting, I thought. Yeah, because, like, a lot of the times you hear, it, it would just be kind of like a low grumbling that goes on that makes, that lets the audience know that this person is, they're, they're thinking and, and, like, really working on whatever they're doing. But for him, it's it's completely different. It's, he is, it's like these, li- these little jokes um, kind of like just kind of flying under the radar, uh, and also literally hearing his thought process on how to make these things work. And I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah, you get about half you your exposition from his mumbles. Like if you're if you're yeah. kind of confused where you are, if you listen to his mumbles for a bit, he kind of he tells you like, all right, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm gonna do next, and in a good way because it's it's like he's having the conversation with himself, and it kind of is like how a thought process would 
actually work yeah. with someone. Like, all right, now I'm gonna. But he's crazy, so he's mumbling it out loud for everyone to hear. And he, he like his eye, he like his eyes. He's always like darting side to side. Like, um, granted, the thing that like probably the thing that prevented me from taking him too seriously is he had that Joey Wheeler Brooklyn accent, which makes sense for the area, but. <clears throat> It's a tough accent to take seriously for a, a horror guy, a horror mad yeah. scientist. It's like, all right, he's going to tell Yugi to duel soon. <laughs> but um, the actor did a great job, though. I thought, I'm like, wow, he's like, I'm like, I could, I'd believe he was actually crazy <laughs> in real life. Like, <clears throat> it's almost like taking I, Newt, Sk- the, the actor for Newt Scamander. Of, you know, how he kind of has, like, the darting kind of movements. And it's like taking that, but flipping it to the horror side rather than the kind of charming side. Mm. Um, so, I would be remiss as well if we didn't talk about um, the actress who plays Jeffrey's mother, oh. uh, Louise Lasser. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> she is um, much beloved um, by people who are... Um, a fan of fan of these kinds of movies. Uh, she was in. Uh, she played. She played the mother in uh, Blood Rage, uh, which is a very good Thanksgiving movie um, for anyone who anyone who uh, is looking for a Thanksgiving flick to watch uh, for for next year. Um, but she was uh, married to Woody Allen for a, a few years. Um, she. Did a lot of work. She was in, um, oh my god, Crime Wave, uh, which was a which was a Coen Brothers movie. Um, Rude Awakening. Uh, she was in Mystery Men. Uh, yeah, she she did a lot of she did a lot of little things. She was actually sick. Um, during she had like she had a cold or something when uh, she had to re- do a lot of the scenes with um, with James Lawrence, and they ended up having to go back and like redo her um, her lines. Like she did, like she basically had like no like no voice at all. Um, so they had to go they had to go back and fix all that. Um, yeah, she's only in that in one a, scene, correct? She is in um, she's in a couple. Really? I thought that was I, only... I thought she was in two. I thought that was the one where like you need to get back out there. I know your wife just fell into a, uh, your fiance just fell into a wood chipper. Come on, I got a. Was I that all just the one? Girls lined up for you. Yeah, it offers to make him a sandwich, and then yeah. at that point he's like, "I'm gonna go out." Then he has like the the dinner scene with Elizabeth's head. Right. Scene Is that the only scene? I think no. that's the only scene. I can't remember meeting Shit. the mom ever again because I, I was, kept no. waiting for her to come back or like I thought maybe they were going to yeah. be like she starts figuring out what's going on or something like that. But then when you never see her again. He never even goes back in the house for any of the other scenes. That is that is true. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, she... Um, I just... She was such such a such a outside of wanting him to go back out there and go find another girl, even though it's only been a short amount of time since his fiance was torn up in a lawnmower. <laughs> um, she is she's very caring, very kind uh, mother. You can definitely tell like that's the kind of mother that made Jeffrey who he is. Yeah, she's like, can I get you anything to eat? It's no trouble. Like, what do you need? <laughs> But he doesn't uh, want to want any food because he's going to go have his dinner date with the head of his fiance. 
And was was he eat he like oh a slice he of pizza? He has a slice of pizza. Yeah, he has a slice of pizza. I'm like, all right, this is you definitely get the feel of the type of guy he's trying to play. Like kind of <laughs> like this is him being charming. He has a glass of wine, and then he has a slice of pizza. Yeah, <laughs> with he a d- is... tablecloth and a candle lit, and he's in a suit jacket, and he has a slice of pizza. Yeah, he definitely he has this very this boyish naivete about him. Yep. Um, that is. It's like one one part one part endearing, one part kind of weird, because um, he's because he's so you know quote unquote brilliant and yeah. smart, and like but this is how he acts. I feel like that naivete they tried to like, in a way it was almost like the subtext was when he was in the room with the six prostitutes and couldn't decide. It's almost like oh my god I'm surrounded by beautiful women now what? <laughs> mhm. And apparent and the movie wants us to believe his fiance was not didn't have a beautiful body even though they forgot yeah. to put the fat suit on or whatever they were planning on doing yeah they didn't have they didn't have the budget to get like a real fat suit for her to yeah. put on they just put her i don't like even know this, what the fuck they stuffed that with yeah a real baggy pantsuit and it didn't i'm like like i don't even like they didn't even really pad it that much though i'm like jesus throw a no, pillow, it was really, put, throw a pillow it was, in it or something i don't know it was around it was around like the midsections and then a little bit in like in the upper arm it literally just looks like, like some kind of she, wacky like 80s attire yeah like almost like real pointy shoulders with padding to make the shoulders pointy and mm-hmm. instead it's supposed to be like look how big her shoulders are but i'm like well you can just tell that that's the suit like the suit's like hanging off of her because she's so skinny because she's a penthouse model or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not much you can do that's going to make that woman look fat. <laughs> but I did like yeah. the... I, the mom was funny, and... Uh, she was... <laughs> I, I'll never... The scene with her and the brain, I thought was so... Because I'm like, all right, we're going to finally figure out what this, this weird brain eye thing is. It's like, oh, it's coming along beautifully. Look at you. You're doing so good. Wow, it's so much progress. What is this? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to come back in some major way. Yeah. Well, she goes from like, wow, look at the progress you made on this, to I have never seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also I also find like the ending like interesting because there's like the... Um, so when Elizabeth is like shocked back to life initially, all the extra hooker body parts are in that freezer with yeah. like with the, es- the estrogen serum... Um, and I, I want to know how the uh, how the body parts were able to not only congeal into one another, but they also come to life. Yeah. Um, and then they're they're kind of perfectly content with staying in in that serum bath until the hero uh, until until Zoro's there, and then they kill him, and they pull him, and they pull him in. Um, definitely a uh, doesn't Zoro say something insulting about him at the time too, like. These are my property. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I Because he's going to take Elizabeth because he's like, you're made right. of the body parts that are from my girls. I own you then. So I'm taking yeah. you. And then he yeah. says something disparaging about all the, the hookers. And it's at that point the monster breaks out of the freezer and uh, drags him in. Yeah. Um, and then and then we get, we get, the, we get the, the, the kind of the, the twist... Uh, well, well, also, Zoro's walking directly up behind Jeffrey, and Elizabeth doesn't fucking see him. Oh, and, uh, you know, normally you play that time, you drive that scene out to show it from a couple camera angles or something, or, like, play a bit of music, you know what I mean, a bit of sound, yeah. to just be, like, anticipate it. And no, he, like, two steps, swings a machete, lops <laughs> off his head, it's like, bam, bam, bam done. Like, he's now yeah. dead. <laughs> the no build-up, no suspense, it's like, nope. we, 
just had the main character murdered in front of us and they didn't <laughs> i'm like sees sees that <laughs> like a, yeah like the whole the whole like the escalation of of uh, well i guess the de-escalation um is in the bar chaos zoro follows them back to his mom's place in jersey and is able to just kind of like walk walk in and, walk in, and open that. that garage door grab a machete but then, uh, so then, obviously, Jeffrey is now his head is on uh, is on a female body, um, very, uh, and he's he's like he's like horrified, because um, yeah, it's a female body because he can only revive women with his estrogen serum, which which is with. very which is very interesting because I feel like uh, it's definitely it's a it's like a hormone thing, yeah, which definitely would be the like the head the most important part is what you need. Yep. Like I'm not entirely sure. Like a hand, like a like a woman's hand, exactly is what's necessary uh, to make this operation go go swimmingly. Um, oh, one thing yeah. I liked is when they bring back the girlfriend Elizabeth. When he brings her back and she's snapped back to reality, remembers who she is. Oh yeah. I like how they. You're not a hooker, Elizabeth. You're not a hooker. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, but she straight up acknowledges, like, holy shit. You brought someone back. Like, this is incredible. You need to share this technology with the world. I feel like a lot of different media, someone performs a miracle and no one acknowledges, like, you need to, like, this will revolutionize things. And her first thing out of her mouth is like, holy shit, uh, Jeff, you need to tell people. You brought people back to life. He's like, "Ah, I can only bring back women. What's the point? (laughs) <laughs> which was a little yeah. misogynistic but, <laughs> but then she's like that's still like 50% of the people like what do you mean like this isn't a big deal <laughs> yeah and um she and so she so she's so she's obviously mad because you know she's like this isn't my this isn't my arm uh these aren't my legs um and like but Jeffrey's just like you were gone like you were there wasn't enough of you left and she's like she's just like super pissed about like it like you were paced like we got your head and uh, what was it? Head and foot. That's all. I yeah, head about. and foot was basically all that. Was and that's there. what she put back on her. It's like, <laughs> what do you want from me? I needed bo- a body. Um, I'll never get over the super crack used as a <laughs> super crack is one of the funniest fucking it, it like spot devices. Them. Yeah, it I've ever seen. Overdose and drop them. It, it, it blows them up. <laughs> The and, the exploding scene in particular is just so funny because like it's like the girls are screaming. Oh, and, they, don't forget the lead up before they take the super crack. They're jumping around, losing their absolute yeah. minds. It's drugs! It's drugs! They're like, oh my god! We oh, hit the holy mother fucking load. shit! And the crack rocks were the size of golf balls. Yep. And it was just like two Ziploc gallon bags bursting of golf ball sized fake super crack rocks. I'm like, I don't know much about crack, but I think that's an unbelievable amount of crack. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and they go, they went obscene. nuts. They went, and that, that, yeah, we missed the best part. That's how he gets the best of Zorro. Is one of the hookers explodes in the head, bal- takes a ballistic trajectory at Zorro, knocking him out. Yeah, and then, yeah, the one, the one head, this is soars through the air and, like, knocks him. I thought, uh, and then, yeah, he, like, gets hit and he's, just, like, backs, he, like, backs down, like, in slow motion. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Jeff, the main character, he literally throws every body part in a fucking two trash bags, 
puts him in his trunk, and then he doesn't have another trash bag, so he just loads up the body parts on top of these bags yep. and doesn't shut the trunk. Like, when he pulls back into his driveway, you can see all the body parts. I'm like, this guy just drove across state lines with that trunk open like that. <laughs> hey, listen, man, it's a commentary. People just don't care about disappearing hookers. They don't. And I do have, so I have the acronym um, for that for that organization, by the way, that that woman was talking about in the talk show. So, hooker stands for hold on to our knowledge of equal rights. <laughs> so... There's, there's that. Um, oh, and remember, the, like, uh, and the newscaster was, like, so against, like, any form of social welfare, and he's assuming who, like, and he does, like, this look to the audience, like, and you, too, don't want to help the poor. Yeah. And the needy. He's like, maybe the tax, maybe the taxpayers should pay for the hotel rooms. Yeah. That's what's, any time a news story came up, it was gold. Like, they had that one, they, like, I'd say there was three. There was that one where... They uh, talked about the crack epidemic killing all the prostitutes in New York. Um, the the initial one when they go over Elizabeth's death, where they interview that uh, policeman, they're like, "Body parts are missing," and then the, you yeah. got the super aggressive reporter who then like go like goes up to Jeffrey Frank and says, "Goes, do you know what happened to the missing body parts?" Which are never <laughs> like actually mentioned. Um, it's just like kind of like assuming yeah. like, "Hey, we're missing some piece," but we're. But she's like, do you know where your uh, fiancé's missing head is? And the guy's like, dude, leave me alone. Like, my fiancé Leave people died. alone with their grief. And yeah, and he shuts the door, and she's like, look at this guy. He's hiding I something. Guess, what an asshole. I guess that's it. How dare he grieve. And the third scene, which is the best, is the weatherman. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He looks... Um, he, I mean, he looks like a skeleton with skin, a skin suit on. But... When they talk about the big lightning storm going in. And all of a sudden, it's like, for all you mad scientists out there trying to reanimate your dead fiancés, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of lightning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's no, like, they use, like, Henenlotter uses the, like, every moment of of the movie to, to get a laugh. Yeah. Um, and he actually, so... And so obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of nudity in this movie. He actually ended up he had, he himself like toned like turned toned some of it down and pulled back on some. He had like a, quite a few like full full nudity like full frontal yeah. noodle. Yeah, most of it's scenes. just toplessness. Yeah, and he was just like at a certain point he felt like it was kind of overstepping um, mm-hmm. the 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 equilibrium that balance between the the nudity and the comedy because you don't want the you don't want it just to be you know, basically soft, basically just soft core porn. You still want it to be a comedy movie. So yeah. he ended up like toning, toning some of that down. Yeah. Like Elizabeth keeps her clothes on when she's acting like with the memories of the hookers and blowing people up it, by touching them and having yeah. uh, intimate contact with them. And he, she keeps blowing him up cause she's, I guess, I don't know <laughs> the idea. So she's got, all the lightning oh in her or something. That first, yeah, like she get like she was so like her body was so charged with, with like the lightning that she's just like transferring it to to others. Yeah, whenever um, she touches them. Well, yeah, whenever she's she's touching them. So I love I love that first guy that she gets like kind of the short balding man. <laughs> I know where we like, are. This is great. <laughs> yeah, this is woo. It's like doctor, you want to play doctor? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and like, yeah, his head his head comes off, and she's holding it, and it's just like his head is just like, oh, that was wonderful. Yeah. 
He's like, don't start uh, without me. I need to pay. <laughs> but when he was like, I know where we are. This is the best night ever. When they end up on, like, Prostitute Alley or whatever. Yeah. And there, so I actually, um, I have the, uh, the line. So my favorite, my favorite line of the movie is when, when Jeffrey's talks so when he's talking to his mother and, and she's just like, she says, oh, Jeffrey, I'm worried about you. And he says, yeah, well, so am I, Ma. Something's happening to me that I just don't understand. Oh, yeah. I can't think straight anymore. It's like my reasoning is all uh, twisted and distorted, you know? I seem to be disassociating myself from reality more and more each day. I'm antisocial. I'm becoming dangerously amoral. I, I've lost the ability to distinguish between right from wrong, good from bad. I'm scared, Ma. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm plunging headfirst into some kind of black void of sheer and utter madness or something. And his mother says, you want a sandwich? <laughs> and who needs analysis of the movie when he, Jeffrey just did it for us? Yeah, it, like, it's, right, it's right there at the beginning. It's just like he, you know, he has no gone, mad, gone mad with grief. Was already a little out there, and he's gone, now he's gone mad with grief. Doesn't I mean, care. Like the, you can view that two ways, too. You can view it as like, alright, like uh, he's telling us rather than doing it, like showing through subtext, which a lot of people prefer. But also, like, in a way, it shows his madness, because who freaking says something like that? Like, yeah. And who it's, self-diagnoses it's, themselves as basically mad scientist? Yeah, and it's, and it's played for a laugh, because yeah. his, mother, his mother is... Yeah, you know. plays it for a laugh. It's like, serious? All right, sandwich? Yeah, no? Where are we on that sandwich? But, it, you know, I, he, I think a lot of people would dislike that they told rather than showed, but I think it was an interesting... I didn't think it was that bad of a choice, actually. I thought it was. I like it. It, I like it, it shows it's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Yeah, it's, it really, it, yeah, it's one of the, I think it's, him doing that speech is the longest stretch of seriousness you get, and they end it with the sandwich line. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. And, uh, you know, um, I wouldn't say the actors did a bad job in the movie. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> no. Too much of an expert on these, but I was like, oh, you know, like, I thought James Lorenz as Jeffrey Franken, like, he, he kind of nailed the facial expressions. I mean, his lines were delivered with a kind of a monotoneness, but, like, his actual body movement during it, I'm like, this guy's off his tree. And then you got, does Patty Mullen do the, uh, the Frankenhooker? Like, is it the same actress as the beginning? The yeah. All right. So she does a great job with the uh, when she's pretending to have all the prostitutes. Oh my god! Yeah, talking through her. Want a date? Looking for some action? Need some company? All right, this here's Jersey Boy. He's gonna play doctor. Oh. Um, yeah, that was and the way the way she walks and like the okay. like the face the facial twitches like the pin. I'll send you a picture um, of of the of the pin I have afterwards. Um, it's like that that face she makes where like she like lifts like lifts her like her lip up uh, to the side. Yeah. Yeah, like she nailed that bit. Like, he... it's kind of one of those things where I was like, didn't think it was the same actress as the beginning fiance, because you we also don't see her that long at the beginning. But yeah. All right. Um... I, I've run through the gauntlet of uh, things I wanted to talk about. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on. Uh, well, what would you say? Like, I, I think my fi- 
the th- parts I found funniest were that whenever they brought the newscasters on, like I thought the weatherman was really funny. Like, what was what would you say was the your comedy peak of this one? Uh, exploding hookers. The exploding hookers when they were all exploding, exploding. hookers. <laughs> when they when they when they pull out the super crack and they're screaming about the super crack and then they're doing the super crack and then they explode from the super crack. Yep. Yeah, I liked the ballistic head into Zoro too. That was a uh, because <laughs> how else you're gonna tape down this little like mountain of muscle? But no, I think you know I would say too it's a good one to watch with you. You got people like me who like horror movies will they they can't handle horror because this one really isn't. But I thought it was funny and it's you know it's one of those like like you said everything's played for a laugh so it's a good one to if you have someone you who you want to watch this with you can tell them like it's not it's not scary like it even the only time i felt even that like disturbing horror feeling was when he drilled into his own skull but other than that like even when you got the body part amalgamation i didn't think that was too bad either so it's a good one to watch with someone who normally can't handle any type of scary movie or horror yeah, I uh, yeah I agree. So let's. I'm gonna run into uh, some close some closing thoughts, and then we can slap slap a rating on this bad boy. Uh-huh. So as we do as we do on the podcast, things are rated uh, on, from a scale of you know zero to four howls. Um, so Frankenhooker uh, is it, it hits that sweet spot for me of kind of just real cheap looking. <laughs> feeling um kind of uh this i don't i don't even know what to call it that it this was this was perfect like night so this movie came out in 1990 it's like the the perfect like low budget like 90s flick it has it has a fun premise with the director who knows what he's doing with the material um and it's every there's there's laughs around every corner i think it's i think it's still a very amusing entertaining movie to this day um i think the exploding hooker scene most of the budget went towards that i thought it was great well well earned the dialogue um i know like frank and james were both kind of working on some dialogue see working on the dialogue kind of like just throughout the movie itself, like there's the scene we didn't talk about, it, the scene where he's talking to the Nor- the guy's Norwegian, and when he comes out of the, he's like in uh, Times Square, and the guy is like talking to him, and he's just like, he's like, what are you Swedish? You're talking to me in Swedish in, in Times Square, um, like that was like J- like James and, and Frank came up with that uh, with those lines um, for that, and it's just. It, it is my favorite Hand on Lauder movie. It has the perfect balance of comedy and um, kind of and nudity, and also like these these horror ele- these horror elements. Um, definitely not being uh, overtly scary in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, like you were saying, I think this is um, if you if you are someone who can t- or if you have a friend or someone who can tolerate kind of like quote unquote low quality. Um, kind of movie making um, and can just appreciate uh, a horror comedy for, for what it is um, I, hi- I highly recommend Frankenhooker, I'm going to give it four howls alright um, I would say the tagline on the VHS box says it all 
Breaking Hooker, a terrifying tale of sluts and bolts. I'd give it four out of four Ohio's too because it's one of those movies you can just put on with uh, a, a wider crowd. As long as they don't mind the kind of like low budget film, then you're not going to be too worried about scaring away some of the people to watch the movie with who maybe don't do horror and it'll still appease the people who like live in the horror genre like yourself. So it'd be something both of us could watch. Um, and I know I'm of, of the people you would watch movies with, I'm definitely on the end of like can't handle much of the scary. So you could definitely put it on with a wide variety of people as long as they have no problem with nudity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, yeah. Definitely. If they have a problem with nudity, do not show this to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is all nudity. <laughs> um, true. Well, I uh, want to thank you, Jake, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, if you ever want to do this again, I have a whole bag of movies in the similar vein <laughs> that you can watch. Um, and I want to thank you all for listening. I will, as always, see you in the next one. Have a good night.